Welcome to Twinning It, the podcast that delves into the nitty gritty of parenting twins. I'm Alison Perry, author of OMG It's Twins and mum of preschooler girl twins. And I'm Jenna Good, journalist and mum of toddler boy girl twins. We know what a challenge it can be to raise twins. So join us as we speak to experts and other twin mums to get answers to all of those burning questions. Welcome back to another episode of Twinning It. Today we are talking about breastfeeding. It is such an emotive topic and I think it's important to start off by saying this is a judgment-free zone. Breastfeeding works amazingly for some but not for others for a myriad of reasons and we are not here to make anyone feel less than for choices or circumstance. So that said, Jenna, tell us more about our wonderful guest today. Sure. So we've got Catherine Stagg here today, who's a certified lactation consultant who offers breastfeeding support to hundreds, if not thousands of mums. As a twin mum herself, she breastfed and got such an amazing support around her that she wanted to pay it forward. And so she set up Breastfeeding Twins and Triplets UK Facebook community. That community has grown to be a charity that offers advice and support to many. And she also has a brilliant new book out called Breastfeeding Twins and Triplets. Welcome to the podcast, Catherine. Hello, lovely to be here. So great to have you. I know that when I had my twins four years ago, four and a half years ago, your Facebook community was such Mm. a support to me. Jenna, did you find the same? Yes, definitely. Um, Yeah, I don't know how I came across it. I think maybe I was on another twin Facebook page and someone had mentioned your page. And um, yeah, then I was just devouring it, trying to find (laughs) some kind of help because it really did feel (laughs) very, very specific uh, breastfeeding twins compared to breastfeeding a single baby. So yeah, I was definitely looking for any help I could get. Yep. No, it was just um, a lot of people find it that way. It's, and because it's quite a large group now, I think Facebook does suggest it to people as soon as they you know, mention anything about twins. I think it pops up on there. Why don't you try this? Yeah. Which is nice too. It started doing that a few years ago when we had, when we've hit about 5,000 members or something like that, I think. So, so yeah, a lot of people know about it and a lot of healthcare professionals know about it now as well. So midwives and such like will signpost to us and, and really um, which is great so yeah and it is it's totally specific support needed for twins yeah. absolutely yeah because I mean I guess you would know because you've had two singleton children and then you have, have twins after that yes so yep. I mean I'm just curious in general how different has is your experience of twins compared to having singletons oh um I mean just generally I think the biggest thing is not being totally split in two the entire time <laughs> you yeah. know I think that's the main difference and even if you've got I mean you know I never had the whole having one baby at a time thing because I had my twins first so I didn't get that you know that you you spend all your love you know all your energy and time on one chart so I didn't actually get that because I did twins and then two single ones afterwards um but I know for a lot of people who do it the other round uh, who have a single one and then add another one or especially if they're adding twins after a singleton it's very much uh, that is the biggest struggle is, is being able to focus, you know, split your focus away from, from one child. But yeah, it was, it was just, 
it was just far more straightforward. I think that's it. It's still mm. hard having having babies is hard. You know, whether we have one, two, three, whatever it is, it's hard work. Um, so I, I never want to diminish anybody's experience of having one at a time because you know everybody has their struggles and Absolutely. such. Absolutely. Like. Um, but it is just a little bit more straightforward <laughs> being able to focus on one and just getting that working, you know. Yeah. And I think what you just said there about the feeling of being split in two, I've never actually been able to like explain it like that before, but that is how you feel most of the time. You're Absolutely. being pulled in completely different directions. So yeah, that's, yep. I've just always wondered. So that's What's, interesting to know. <laughs> what was your breastfeeding journey like in terms of, um, you know, you, you've said that you had an amazing kind of support network around you. Did you take yeah. to it like a duck to water or did you have struggles with breastfeeding your twins? Oh, I mean, looking back on it, now I know what I know. And now I know some of the struggles that other people have. I actually didn't have very many struggles. I was very lucky from that point of view. I think the main thing with mine, that mine, mine were almost full term when they came. So that was quite useful. And that's one of the biggest barriers really is slightly early delivery. Um, so I think that was helpful. But I mean, I, you know, I'd done a fair bit of reading. I was not not ill prepared particularly um, for it. But I think actually for me, I did get sore to begin with. So that was one thing. So uh, the support that I had was totally um, luck. And that's what really annoys me is that it's luck at the moment in our society as to whether you get, get good support or not. And for me, it was absolute total luck. And I'll tell you why. It's because I went and went into hospital to have them. I was being induced. Um, my hospital went into special measures literally that night that I went in, which sounds like a scary thing. But actually, of course, it was then one of the best places to be because everybody was watching every single thing they were doing. And also they got a load of extra staff in over the weekend. So I went in on the Thursday evening uh, and over the weekend they had a load of extra staff in. And on the Saturday after, no, the Sunday after my twins had been born Saturday evening, uh, I had a midwife who was on working on bank to go and basically rescue them. And she was a twin ah. mum and she'd breastfed. Oh my god! <laughs> so, that was so I don't know what her Amazing. name is. I mean, synchronicity. Hello. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, and she was uh, she was flown in from somewhere. I can't remember where it wasn't. She wasn't local. You know what I mean? So she'd come to work over the weekend on bank, uh, and uh, and yeah, you know, because they needed these extra staff because of having having gone into special measures. Um, and uh, yeah, so totally random. And then you know, I happened to find the breastfeeding support group, which was just opening, literally like the week about the week I had them. They were just starting. Uh, the peer support group that they'd opened and they had, you know, my midwife happened to be really good, which was great. And uh, yeah, so, you know, it all kind of came together for me very from that point of view. And that's, that is what made me so cross because as soon as I, I, you know, for me, it seemed it worked quite well. I had a few wobbles at the beginning. I think everybody does. The main wobble for me actually, other than just getting the latch good in the first place was just the overwhelming the overwhelming, the overwhelming, yeah. overwhelm. That's I just love, having I love two that. babies at once. <laughs> the overwhelming, overwhelm. <laughs> There's no other way of describing it. Is it? So, <laughs> it is so overwhelming having more than one baby at a time, and you know the feeling of I. I was very lucky; they latched quite well to start with, and at that point, I was I was like, you know, oh, I'll give I'll give breastfeeding a try. It, it, it'll probably, you know, I'll give it a go. See how see what happens. But when they actually latched and did it, I was like, oh. I'm going to have to do this now because it's going to be me then who isn't doing it rather than, because I was, you know, in my head, I think I was hoping I could blame them for not latching or something like, I don't know. (laughs) So goodness knows what my feelings were then. But, you know, then I, I, I just found it was actually really important to me. I had no idea it was going to be like that at the time. Um, Yeah. And then I met people after, afterwards, you know, through our twins club and things like that. And they, you know, 
you know, the stories always come out, don't they, about about their sort of early. And I realised that how lucky I was. And then I got very cross, basically, in the fact that it, it, this should be available to everybody and that everyone should have a fair go at it. And that's why I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> fueled, fueled by how rage. How long did you <laughs> for, Catherine? Over, um, over a year in the end. Um, so, yeah, so it, it uh, once I got it working, you know, over the first, it probably took me about six, eight weeks maybe to start feeling like I'd nailed it slightly. But then by about three months or so, I think I, I had a bit of a wobble about four months when I started waking more in the night. I can remember that, um, thinking, you know, well, is it breastfeeding? And then, you know, realized that it, it probably wasn't. It was something else. And now I know it's brain development that they start, <laughs> start waking more in the night of age. So I had a bit of a wobble about four months. But um, one of my twins very sensibly decided not to take a bottle at that age. So he made me keep breastfeeding. And actually, I was very, very relieved because I actually enjoyed sort of six months to a year. That was the, my favorite bit. So I'm really, really pleased that he did that yeah. looking back on it. And, um, so yeah, I, that, and then I, I sort of weaned it around for 13, 14 months because that's what I thought you were supposed to do. Um, I just thought you were supposed to feed for a year and then you were supposed to stop. So that's what I did. And then I did my peer support training and there were lots of other people who were still feeding. And I was like, Oh, I didn't realize I could do that. So again, that's something that I, you know, I never, never want to, you know, feeding toddlers is not for everybody, but with my singletons, I, I did carry on much longer and I, and I would have preferred to, I think, have done that yeah. with my twins had I known about it. So yeah. anyway, these things happen, as you say. <laughs> so yeah, so it, it sort of worked, you know what I mean? I, I, I found it really, really straightforward. I'm not a very organized person. So once it was working, it was hard to get it going in the first place. But once it was working, it was by far, I think my children would have starved if I'd yeah, it's it's interesting actually. <laughs> I, I um I did the the twins trust um like getting ready for twins course yes. or something. Yeah, yeah. And um I remember them saying like for breastfeeding twins and multiples in general is much harder to begin with. But then yeah. they, it's kind of like I think they showed us a graph and it kind of you know peters out and it gets much easier and it's then it becomes yeah. easier than doing the bottles. Absolutely. Um, yeah. but it's just if you can kind of get get past the difficult point to get to the easy yeah. bit. Exactly. It's that first sort of couple of months, really, I think. If you can get through the first couple of months, and then it starts to get a lot easier um, after that. Do you that think point. that yeah. it takes a certain type of person to breastfeed twins? For example, it can be pretty daunting to breastfeed them both in public at the same time, like much harder than breastfeeding a single baby in public. So do you think that it requires you to be confident and resilient and all of these things that not all of us feel all the time? I mean, no, I wouldn't say you, you certainly can't put a label on who would feel more confident. I also find that once, once people have, um, had their babies, they get a little bit more, um, protective, you know, of, <laughs> of what they're doing. And sometimes that will help a little bit. So no, I wouldn't say it's a, it's a personality thing, particularly. I don't think it's anything about people not trying hard enough or anything like that. I don't think that's what it's about at all. Do you know what I mean? I, I, that's, that's something that I, I very much believe it's not that our society is totally set up um not to support breastfeeding at the moment you know what i mean totally and so it's nobody's fault at all it should be easy to feed in public it should be easy to do this and in some parts of the country it, it's absolutely fine you know i mean i breastfed i'm in harrow in northwest london and we have a fairly high breastfeeding rate around here and it's quite quite a normal thing to see out and about um but you know for me as well i did i was quite nervous the first few times that i did it it wasn't 
um, you know, it wasn't a comfortable thing for me. And I saw, I, I very rarely tandem fed in public. I used to do it maybe a breastfeeding group or something like that, um, or at our twins club or, you know, somewhere where it's sort of more baby orientated. But if I was in a coffee shop, I did one at a time because it was just yeah. too, too difficult, <laughs> basically. So, and as they get older, of course, they feed yeah. a lot more quickly, don't they? So it's, um, you know, that's, it gets more doable later on because, you know, they only take five, 10 minutes to feed, you know, um, so, but yeah, the first few times I found it really scary. Um, so I don't think it's, I don't think it's a, a personality. And we're, you know, even if you are the most super confident person ever, you're really in a very vulnerable state when you've just had babies. Hmm. Um, and so the most confident person can actually have it completely knocked out of them very easily. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think it's really a personality. It does take a little bit of determination. I think that's useful to have if you're trying to, trying to breastfeed. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's, uh, but again, I think sometimes that comes, you know, I had no idea that I was going to, that I was going to find it so important to me one, mm. and before I had them. I had no idea. I was just going to give it a go and see what happened. I knew the benefits, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'd read everything. But it wasn't until they actually arrived and I, it, this kind of urge took over, I suppose, more than anything to, that I, that I needed to, to feed them. And I think that's, that's what's most, damaging about the support not being available is that it really can screw you up your mental health after birth things like that if you're not you have this underlying urge to feed your babies but you're not being supported to do so it's actually very very difficult yeah um, I, so, I can yeah, actually I, yeah I do agree with that um my breastfeeding journey was quite fraught I had my babies in covid and um you know I was at home after three days um after a c-section um my son didn't take to it at all he couldn't latch whereas my daughter was up for it but it just made the overwhelm of you know trying to breastfeed them it's sort of happening but not happening and also I had a really um painful cannula put in which had really messed up my hand and I couldn't hold them properly and (laughs) it it was you know it just felt like impossible to try and juggle these delicate babies um and try and feed them and then obviously we ended up uh, doing a mixture of combination feeding yep. and, and that was, you know, quite crazy as well. So I was pumping, it's exhausting feeding, doing that, isn't it? Because we did the feeding. same. Yeah, it's it, exhausting. it was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, it was really crazy. And just as well when you're trying to get your head around these two babies and you haven't slept for what feels like weeks. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, and, you know, there wasn't any follow-up help really. There was a little bit on the phone of encouragement, but in the end it's no use it isn't no and I think unfortunately because <laughs> we I had them in COVID you know that it wasn't a very good time to get that kind of support because nobody could come around and help so yeah unfortunately I mean I tried for about a month um and then I just decided to make the quite difficult decision to um you know just for us all to be happier <laughs> and, and be yeah, fed quite. basically and then, you know, and to value what you've done as well. Do you know what I mean? It's really, really important that you do that because it's, it's, you know, every, everything that you can do is set, set up their immune system. You know, even if you're just doing a little bit in the early days, it's, it's all worth, worth it. That's what, you know, what we have to remember. It's all worth it. I think anybody who had their babies in COVID is an absolute superhero because I would have gone totally bananas if, if I'd had no, you know, not been able to see anybody, not being able to access support, not be able to do anything. I think, you know, it was really, really difficult time. They're, they're doing quite a lot of studies now into the impact of, yeah. of COVID and lockdown on um, parenting and babies and just generally, you know, because that's how serious it was at the time. This, mm. this, um, you know, and for, for us, from a, from a lactation uh, consultant point of view as well, it was devastating 
<laughs> from our point of view, because we could see everybody being failed left, right and centre because there's just nothing available yeah. and there was nothing we could do about it. It was horrendous. Yeah, it, so. was, it was difficult. <laughs> but I remember thinking as well, like, I wish I'd been more prepared um, mm-hmm. because I, mean, I think I, I knew that it was good to try and get some colostrum uh, for when they're born, but I wasn't able yeah. to even manage to get any of that to come out before they were born. So I kind of felt yeah. like we were on a back foot, you know, they yeah. were born and then they were sort of immediately given formula because I didn't have any colostrum and no milk could come in at that point. Yeah. What would you say are the best ways for people to prepare for wanting to breastfeed with twins before um, they come? Well, firstly, join the Facebook group. Yeah. Just, just hanging around <laughs> on there will get you, uh, give you a lot of ideas um, around some of the, the barriers, let's say, you know, some of the struggles that people have. But with a little, you know, always think to yourself, of course, people only post when they're having problems. So you have to always have that caveat in your mind because some people do find breastfeeding really easy. They don't post <laughs> for support because they're doing it and they don't need the support. So we have to remember that. So a few people who've joined the group have messaged me and going, you know, what? actually I've just, I've shut it down. I'm finding it too worrying that I'm going to have all these problems. And actually when their babies arrive, they've been fine. So, so there is always that little caveat, first of all, but also it's just to know firstly how, you know, at, at the end of the day, Yes, it is, it is more challenging breastfeeding twins, but the basics are, are the same for all babies. So we need to know how to get a good latch and we need to know how milk production works. So that's the first thing. So it's really important to understand those concepts before your babies arrive. Um, uh, the other thing to, um, understand, which really shouldn't be the, um, you know, it shouldn't be the parent having to do this, but in our current healthcare system, fortunately, it's down to the parent. Just done a presentation on it. <laughs> so, and that is the impact of having babies a little bit early as well. So a lot of twins are born 36, 37 weeks gestation. And actually, it makes a big difference to them being able to feed and nobody talks about it. Mm. Uh, and again, that's something that it makes me incredibly cross because it does have a massive impact on how... um well they can feed from start and there are some babies born at that gestation who absolutely can breastfeed from the beginning but there are others where they need a little bit more time it's to do brain connections uh, i've been reading lots of research papers on this recently <laughs> so um uh, the 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 brain hasn't fully uh, fully formed by 36 weeks you know it's not actually ready to feed to wow. to manage feeding so this is something that we have to have to remember uh and um so it, it takes a lot of coordination for, for a baby to breastfeed. They have to um, coordinate their suck, their swallow and their breathing. Uh, and, you know, they have to have the energy to be able to, um, you know, take full feed. They have to uh, also, um, even their, their like little chubby cheeks that they get when they're a little bit older helps with feeding. So a lot of babies that are born a bit early and not quite as chubby yeah. and, you know, they're a little bit gaunt looking. And that actually means they find feeding more difficult as well. So there's all sorts of things like this. So, so just knowing that this slightly early birth can have a big impact on the very first two or three weeks of, of trying to establish it is really, really important as well. Um, so in the, uh, our charity now, um, has started since I think it was about, we've been doing it about a year now, something like that, that we're doing, um, a couple of preparing to breastfeed sessions, which are just kind of Zoom sessions that anyone can join. Um, so we do two separate ones. We do one on sort of the basics of how to breastfeed. So, you know, all of the things, getting a latch, milk production, you know, baby behavior, a bit of that kind of stuff. So this is kind of a general overview for all babies, whether they're singletons or um, uh, twins or whatever. And then there's a more specific twin version the for the second session, 
it just gives the choice to people. People that have breastfed before and know all the kind of first bits. You know what I mean? They don't have to come to the first session unless, unless they want a refresher. They can do. But uh, the second session is where all the kind of more twin specific so things like prematurity and, and early term and late preterm birth, which is that 36, 37, 38 week birth. Uh, and then yeah, things on tandem feeding and such like that as well. So I think if you can either join the Facebook group, come along to one of my sessions. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good way of preparing. And hand expressing also is really, really good idea if you can manage to do some. Uh, it is a little bit challenging and, you know, some people don't manage to get anything and it's not that that means it's not in there or you're not going to be able to breastfeed or even you're not going to have a hand express after birth, actually. Uh, once you birth hormones have kicked in it's normally a little bit easier to hand express than it is when you're pregnant but um but at firstly even if you don't get anything it sort of gets you used to handing your breast to get the technique you know and start to practice it you know that kind of thing if you do get some it's quite exciting yay uh, and uh, so that means that you believe it's there which is actually you know some of breastfeeding is about it's called maternal efficacy which is about believing you can do it um, so if you can see that you've got some colostrum in your breast, you're more likely to think that you're going to be able to, you know, feed your babies, basically. <laughs> so yeah, quite a get, lot get of strong research. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that as well. And uh, and also, you know, if you do manage to collect some, as you said, uh, Jenna, you just get that little bit of a head start. So you've, you've got a bit of extra yeah. given them if there's any issues in the, those first few days. And so. how about um, anything that people should have on their shopping list, like uh, like pillows and certain bits and pieces that will make their life easier once the babies arrive? Yeah, I I... I... I'm always a bit worried about shopping lists because a lot of people buy stuff they don't need. (laughs) (laughs) But you're like, you're probably going to, you might need a, um, like a breast pump. But you might not. You see, this is the problem. So it's one of those, (laughs) and you might not buy the right one for the scenario that you're in. So this is why I'm always very worried about people buying breast pumps before the babies arrive. (laughs) Because you don't know why you're going to need to pump until the babies are here. And there's different pumps that are suitable for different types of pumping. Right. So it's important to to understand that. Well, I guess to even just look into that so that you're ready yeah yeah that's that, that's um, all true actually because but, right, i yes. remember being told that i had to buy this hospital grade you know double breast pump and actually one of the breast yep. one of the best breast pumps i ever bought was this like 15 pound little suction one that was just like a little hand pump that i just whacked on my yeah. boob and it just did its thing and it was the it was it was 15 quid it was so good wow so you don't you, yeah. you don't necessarily need to spend the yeah, exactly you. so no, but also if you had had a scenario where your babies were not really feeding or, you know, latching, that wouldn't have worked. You know what I mean? So that wouldn't have been mm-hmm. effective for that sort of pumping. And that's when you would have need the hospital grade double pump. So this is the, the thing. It's very different scenarios do need different sorts of pumps and different sorts of pumping. So, you know, if you have got babies who are in special care or if they've, they've, they're not latching or they're, they're just doing that in the first couple, two or three weeks, they're quite often really sleepy and just not feeding well and you need to give them extra milk then that sort of scenario is when you really need a really good efficient pump, like a hospital grade um, double pump. But, you know, later on, if you're just wanting to pump once a day for a bottle or you're wanting to, you know, pump every so often just to make a little stash in the freezer for you to go out or whatever, then, you know, that's a different scenario. And so many different types of pump are okay for that as well. And as you said, sometimes the cheapest ones are the most effective. And the other thing, which is very important to remember around anything to do with babies the things that are advertised are not necessarily the best ones. Very true. <laughs> so, and they're often more expensive because mm. you're paying for the advertising. So, um, you know, so some of the more effective, 
you know, standard double pumps are actually the ones yeah. that And also are, word of mouth and like, you know, um, asking on in communities Absolutely. like your Facebook group is invaluable, isn't it? Um, it's yeah. interesting you talking about um, how much luck was involved with your own experience. And I feel quite similarly in that when I gave birth to my twins, my hospital had an infant feeding team, which I understand isn't standard. And um, I really, I have memories of, you know, like within a couple of hours of giving birth, um, someone from the infant feeding team kind of coming at me to help me get colostrum going with like a little pipette thing, like, you know, sucking it up. And it felt quite, it didn't feel invasive, but it just felt a bit like, whoa, okay, like, I'm okay with this. This is cool. We're all good. But, you know, in hindsight, just such a wonderful thing that was happening there Um, is there anything that that, um, anyone listening who's pregnant with twins is there anything that they can do ahead of time perhaps you know can they research what the facilities are at their hospital in terms of you know the breastfeeding support that they offer yeah so um i mean one thing that you could look into is going for if you've got a choice of hostels obviously depending on where you are in the country some people will have three or four hostels they could go to some other people will only have one so they have no choice because that's then there is you know they, they they live in the rural areas and such like but if you have any choice around your hospital it can be worth looking to see if your baby has got unicef um unicef baby friendly uh, accredited basically so what that is supposed to ensure is that all the staff have a have a basic level of breastfeeding training um and would you believe it is that not actually that many uk hospitals uh, the u actually scotland every single scotland hospital wow. hospital in scotland has the units of baby friendly uh they've actually funded it over there <laughs> so um in england we're not doing quite so well i can't remember what the percentage is now but it's not very high. i think it's something ridiculous like a third or something other it's not it's certainly less than half i believe so that can be worth looking at just because it means that the hospital stuff because believe it or not when you train as a midwife you don't actually learn very much about breastfeeding which is is absolutely yeah. bonkers yeah. isn't it? Think about it yeah yeah so the unicef baby friendly standards means that everybody gets two days training but that's still two days training it's not it that's really still isn't. not a huge amount <laughs> but it's better than nothing <laughs> so so most infant feeding teams would have done the the, the unicef ba- uh, baby friendly um training um when there are some forward thinking hospitals that are starting to employ infant feeding leads with more with more training and i'm hoping that that's going to be the way that it goes over the next 10 years maybe because even to be an infant feeding lead you, you don't actually need any breastfeeding training believe it or not there are some people that there are some infant feeding leads that have only got the two-day unicef baby friendly training and that's it um so uh we would it would be lovely if we could get um infant feeding leads to to have a little bit more in-depth training than that as well to just understand some of the more complicated issues you know uh, but you know having any support in hospital is 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 really great because that's you know um that's uh, it's just a way of getting everything going but i think a lot of people find that once they get home they feel that they can work on it more you know they're in their own environment they're more comfortable they're on their own sofa they're you know mm. that kind of thing so it's it's worth working out what you have in your local community um, for postnatal support, uh, because actually, in some ways, that's more important, she says, than than actually the very early few days, because it's what you do once your milk begins to come in that will give you the most, um, uh, you know, likelihood, let's say, of 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 making a good milk production. 
Yeah, I, um, I was going to ask you that, actually. So if there was somebody who's, I don't know, a month in and like myself was really struggling, um, what's the best, you know, where should they go? What's the best point yeah, of contact? Yeah, so um, we, we, we'll have a little um, list that we usually stick on our Facebook group when people are struggling. <laughs> so the first thing to do is to Google breastfeeding support and put your postcode in people think how do i find out that's the best way honestly (laughs) and then you'll get a list of people that are near you you might get free support you might get the infant feeding team you might get um you know different yeah there's some people have a clinic for example some lactation consultants have a clinic um there are uh breastfeeding counselors out there as well who offer free support do free groups that kind of stuff so it's just finding out what is available the breastfeeding support is there but at the moment, what we have to do in our society at the moment is we have to go and find it. It's not kind of just handed out to you on a plate. And this is this is the issue. When you're, you know, in that first postpartum period where your brain is completely like cotton wool and you can't, you know, this is where actually partners can come in quite well. So they quite like something to do. They can go and research breastfeeding support. But actually, if you if you do it before your babies arrive, it, it, it just means that you know, you know, put a list on the fridge of useful phone numbers. Yeah. That kind yeah, of thing. I, I feel like there's, there's so, there's almost like too many groups and things um, that it gets confusing. And all you really want to yeah. do is ask your midwife who you've already yeah. had contact with, um, like, should they be able to help? They should do. There's a little bit of a, a um, again, a fairly basic training for standard midwives. Most there are, you may be lucky and get one who's got a, a bit more of a, an interest in it, who may have done some extra training as well. So um, it's only two day training for community midwives too. Yeah. But you know they should be able to support with with basic breastfeeding. That's but that's within. But their also remit, like they it? they should have like the local resources. I imagine they should do. Yeah. However, there's in the a right little, direction. <laughs> sometimes there's some politics. Oh, okay. And that's, <laughs> that's really helpful. <laughs> exactly. So we have to be. So yes, they will probably send you to the NHS, which is fine. But they don't always signpost to volunteer services and they don't always signpost to private services either, which actually is wrong. They're supposed to give you the information and you can make an informed choice about where you go. That's what's supposed to happen with the NHS for all things. You know, if you, if you, um, you know, I don't know, fracture or twist your ankle or something like that they they suggest physio and you can they will often go you can either have a six-week wait for the nhs or there's a private thing um person in you know i don't know down the road or who might be able to see you sooner but you'll have to pay so they're supposed to actually give you the choice of that but with for some reason infant feeding infant feeding the politics seems to be gotten away and yes of course in an ideal world breastfeeding support should be available to everybody this is what we would like, but at the current, in the current climate as well, sometimes we do have to pay, and it's and it's one of those things. So it it can be useful if you have got any way of little, you know, raising a fund. You know, if you especially if it's on baby, if you're on baby sort of two and three or four or whatever, and you've got all the baby equipment already. People are like, what should we get you? I don't know what to get you, especially if you're having the same sex as you did last time. <laughs> they like, yeah, you just wear the same clothes. It's fine. But, you know, and people will give you lots of, you know, annoying things that you don't really use, like posh, you know, like those outfits. Do you know what I mean? You put them in once for a photo for great aunt Susan and then you don't really wear them again. You know, and actually the, the 30 quid that they'd spent on that, if they put that in a pot that you could then choose to spend on a lactation consultant when you were struggling with breastfeeding, that would actually be more useful. So, so sometimes having having that sort of uh, idea around around saving up for something, you know, and 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 if you need it, and of course if you don't need it, that can take and you can go and spend it on 
I know, cake. Or yeah, something. That, that's, that's, a, that's a really good idea. I've, it's not something you would ever think to ask for, is it? When the yeah, but you donations, know, especially yeah, <laughs> if, if you are having twins, you know, you might need an extra bit of support with the yeah, breastfeeding element. Absolutely. And do you think? Sorry. Just, just actually, with a lactation consultant, I think the, the thing with a lactation consultant is you pay for a certain amount of time with them in your house. And that is actually one of the, so the, the breastfeeding groups are fantastic. And I got a lot of support from breastfeeding groups and I've volunteered in them for donkey's years and they are brilliant. But for a twin parent who's just had a cesarean getting out of the house exactly. to get anywhere yeah. by 10 o'clock in the morning is pretty, and then you have to go and try and sit on a really hard chair with no you know, cushions and no, and you know what I mean? So actually it's quite a big barrier to access and support think, having to yeah, go out exactly. of the house. So, you know, that's where it, it can work. And there are some free services in different parts of the country where you can get the NHS to do the same thing as, as, as what a private lactation consultant would do so again postcode lottery unfortunately but yes but that's where it, it can work really well and um I'm, i remember as well googling a lot about what clothes to wear and that kind of thing for when you want to breastfeed twins because yep. again that's different to breastfeeding a singleton i, I guess you need more sort of open clothes uh, maybe well, scarves and things i don't know is, is there anything you'd recommend people buy Oh, the thing I, I suggest that you go to is go to a cheap clothes shop, which is always good, isn't it? <laughs> Buy a whole stack of stretchy vest tops. And then anything that you've got already in your wardrobe that's a little bit on the kind of slightly baggier side, you know, you can put your stretchy vest top underneath and you can pull that down. And you can, you know, either do one breast or both if you want to. And then you have your baggier top over the, over the top, which you lift up. And then if you are tandem feeding, you can drape the baggy top in between your boobs. So, and then a baby on each. And then if you're single feeding, you can obviously just lift one side up as well like that. And so actually you don't really need any specialist clothing. There's a whole load of stuff you could buy if you want to. And that's absolutely fine. But, but stretchy vest tops and a baggy top is, is honestly, it's the easiest way to do everything. But if <laughs> so, you're in a, in a cafe or something, then yep. you're going to be quite exposed if you did that. Not even, no, look, when you think about it, so your, your, your vest stop is around your tummy, so you can't see anything there. That, I was actually more worried about my tummy than my chest, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I <was> having babies. <laughs> so your vest stop, uh, covers that, and the, and the, the baggy top on top covers your chest area, and you can actually drape it around where the baby's latched on. You can drape it around there, and so you can literally cover pretty much everything, and then the baby's head is over the bit that they're feeding from, obviously over your nipple and such like. And, uh, when, when with my singleton, um, uh, first outing to a coffee shop. I don't know what he was, about two weeks old or something like that. It's easier with one at a time. And also got other children. You have to kind of just get on with it with other children. <laughs> so, so we were out, uh, and I was feeding him and, and, um, a, a male friend of mine, um, who hadn't seen the baby yet kind of just caught, you know, sight of us and kind of came in. And he came right up to me and went straight at the baby's hair. And then he went, Oh, you're feeding. I didn't realize. <laughs> Yeah. Honestly, he didn't notice till he was, you know, about <laughs> six inches away. Uh, because, you know, uh, and that works really well, that, that setup. But you can tandem feed using that as well. So although many people don't tandem feed when they're out, it's a bit it easier is. to single feed. It is. But, now, Catherine, I started yeah. off, uh, the episode talking about all of the high emotions and feelings that surround the issue of breastfeeding. Yes. Why do you think that how we feed our babies yep. is so contentious? Um, Oh, this is a big question, isn't it? Uh, I think it is that, um, breastfeeding is market, marketed as a feeding choice. Um, and many people want to do it because of, you know, what they read about it. And then, as I said, when the babies arrive, they sometimes have this absolute 
underlying urge to need to do it, which they is usually quite unexpected for first time mums, especially. Um, and then the support is not there. And then we have, you know, as a mum, everybody feels guilty about everything that they do. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's just mum equals guilt, isn't it? Basically, <laughs> that's what happens. So if we are struggling with breastfeeding, which is generally, it's not normally the fault of the mum while they're struggling to breastfeeding. This is the problem. It's nothing to do with it usually. That You know, you can be trying incredibly hard and it's just not working. And it's because sometimes there's even just sometimes a little, you know, you move the baby a millimetre and it might, makes a massive difference. Um, we haven't got this this intergenerational breastfeeding support and our sort of village, you know, set up in our society uh, where you would be around a lot of other breastfeeding mums during growing up and you would have seen it all the time. You saw how it looked when it was working. You had people who had done it around you all the time. So we haven't got that anymore in our society, partly because of, um, you know, a couple of generations of formula being marketed as being superior and also then, uh, you know, also the way we live in society at the moment, we, we very much are in, you know, sort of two person little mini families, uh, and our extended family are often quite a long way away. So we don't have that, you know, that sort of normalizing, I suppose, of everything either as well. So, so I think it's really, really hard. And, and I always talk to people when, cause you know, I post a lot about breastfeeding on social media and I do sometimes get people who are very, very damaged by not being able to do it when they really wanted to. There's a lovely book by Amy Brown called Breastfeeding, Breastfeeding, Why Breastfeeding Grief and Trauma Matters. So I try and signpost people to that, first of all, because it's a brilliant read. I've read it from cover to cover myself, um, just to make sure that I always try and read things that I recommend. So <laughs> it's a fantastic book. So it, it really does sort of put into perspective what our society happens. And then I try and get them to say, Instead of getting cross with me about saying, you know, a benefit of breastfeeding and, and your babies are, you know, yes, your babies are fine and they, you know, everything like that, but actually get cross that you weren't given the opportunity because if guilt, we can't do anything with, you know what I mean? That's an internalized feeling that, that, that is not a positive feeling. Anger, however, fuels you to change things. And, uh, for me, that's how I've kept you know, going over these many years of trying to navigate. And I always try and, you know, take a bit of comfort by every single tiny journey that I might have changed slightly to try and make. But the, but the overwhelming thought of trying to change society, which is what we have to do in order to make this easier for people, it's very, very difficult. So um, so I think there's a, it is a biological urge to breastfeed. And I think that's that's one of the problems. And if, it, if you're denied it, and if you're really wanting to, and it's important to you, and then you're denied that support to be able to do it, it, it makes you feel really, really bad. And it is grief. It's absolute grief. And it should be treated in that way. And it it's, you know, causes postnatal depression. It's um, wanting to breastfeed and not being able to is one of the, one of the big risk factors for postnatal depression. For mums that didn't want to breastfeed and didn't breastfeed, they don't have a change in their risk of postnatal depression. And for mums that do breastfeed, it's actually protective against postnatal depression. If, you know, if they wanted to breastfeed and do breastfeed, it actually you get less postnatal depression, so less risk. So what we need is to, for those mums that really want to breastfeed, is to get that support to them in the early days so that they can fulfil those goals and that will actually reduce the risk of, of, of yeah, postnatal depression, for example. So, And, you know, just support in general as well. 
you know, that's that's it's hard having a baby and, and our society is just not set up for it. We're all sitting on our own in our room, you know, looking at the walls, scrolling Instagram, telling us how we should our baby should be perfect and our lives should be lovely and you know that's <laughs> not good. Yeah, to yeah. Mental how, health. How, do, how did we get here? We should all be like, yeah, just a nice big commune. <laughs> Helping Absolutely. Each other everywhere. Communal living would be probably <laughs> The answer. I always find actually the thing that you, I, I always go camping every year, uh, having lots of children, can't afford to go on holiday very often. So, so we go camping quite a lot and we often will go with another family and it's like living in a little, little community for, for a week. And it's fantastic. You share the cooking, you share the childcare. Yeah. This is what life's supposed to be like. You know, that's how humans are supposed to live. And we've, we've just moved so far away. We're missing a trick, aren't we? Really We're missing a trick. Catherine, a big thank you for joining us today. It has been so great to chat to you. Um, where can people find out, um, more from you online? So signpost us to your Facebook group and where else we can find you. Oh, loads of places. So <laughs> we have breast, uh, the Facebook group is called Breastfeeding Twins and Trips UK. And we cover, you know, we, we allow everyone from the UK and Ireland as well, uh, into that. If you are, um, listening to this and you're outside of the UK, then we do only limit it to UK people because it would just get too big and overwhelming. There are a few other places that you can go. Um, there's a good La Leche League group for multiples actually on Facebook, which is, which is good for international people. So, um, and that's run by uh, a few lactation consultants. I'm in it as well. I do look, but I don't try and do too much. Otherwise I get overwhelmed. <laughs> so, so that's a good place to go if you're outside of the UK. Um, uh, we have our, our public facing social media as well. So we, uh, BF Twins UK is the Instagram. And if you just search breastfeeding twins trips UK, uh, we've got a public page which says public page on it um, as well. So there's a ton of information on that and articles and things that we share and stuff. So it's more for, for that kind of stuff. And sometimes we'll share stories from people from the group and such like. Um, and then for my personal one, um, my uh, it's Catherine Stagg, IBCLC on Instagram uh, and same on Facebook, I think, something like that. Uh, so again, mine is not particularly twin specific, but it has lots of breastfeeding stuff on it and a lot of normalizing of newborn behavior and baby behavior ongoing actually toddler behavior as well because i think that's one of the 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 issues that we have in our society at the moment is actually we don't know what's normal what to expect um and you know i do a q a maybe once a fortnight although i've been a bit rubbish lately uh, on instagram and the majority of the questions are is it, my baby's doing this is it normal and my answer is yes <laughs> <laughs> and then lots of other people scroll it through the night feeds and go uh, and then message me and go oh i love your q a's it makes me feel so much better that my baby's doing the same thing so um, it's it's so good to have like such positive um stuff out there on social media making everything more real there's a lot of other stuff that is not so good on social media so you really do have to pick and choose i always say to people if an instagram account is making you feel bad unfollow it immediately Mm -hmm. or so facebook you know that's that's yeah mums are just scrolling a lot when they're feeding so yeah absolutely Uh, yeah well thank you so much for being our guest today it's been really enlightening speaking to you and i'm sure it will help lots of twin parents to be and um other twin mums who are trying really hard at the moment as well yeah so thanks so much, Catherine. Superheroes, everybody. Yes. Everybody's a superhero. Thank you, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs>